In every generation, there are the chosen ones, the fanboys, the observers, the keepers of useless trivia. They alone must stand against the forces of television drama tropes. They are continuous play. Oh, come on. Stake through the heart, a little sunlight. It's like falling off a log. Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. Don't make fun. I work long and hard to get this promise. And Jay Newcastle. Just because this is never going to work, there's no need to be negative. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to the Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our season one wrap-up mini-episode where Brian and I are going to just talk about some of our favorite moments of season one, favorite characters, and give some just final overview thoughts that maybe we didn't share at the end of season uh, of season one, episode 12. We try to make our podcast episodes very uh, centered around each episode as their own, so we wanted to provide a little coda to the season before we uh, shove off and start season two. And Brian, let, let's start with the, the obvious thing your favorite episode of season one uh for me it's angel the episode angel which was episode number seven this was just a really good episode all around you got a good in-depth look at who angel was what he's gonna mean to this series and it was just for me probably the best episode most enjoyable episode of season one you and I agree on that. Angel is my favorite episode of the season, followed closely by Prophecy Girl. That's a darn good episode, too. And having revisited it for this again, I'm, I'm really fond of it. But yeah, the Angel episode is just so good. It's such a... It's just so good. I mean, you, you've listened to our podcast, folks. You, you know what we think of it. But I like it, too. It's, it's one of my favorite ones. But yeah, the, the Angel episode for me is, is my favorite, too, Brian. Yeah, it's just a really all-around great episode, and I agree with you, Prophecy Girl is probably a very close second, but Angel takes it for me as well. Um, what is your favorite moment of season one, Jay? Well, it actually comes in that episode. It's the confrontation with Angel and Darla at the Bronze, uh, because it reveals a lot about Buffy's character, as well as Angel and Darla. We get their back history in, in the short form there. And we get to see Buffy react to that. It, you know, her initial thought was, this is an evil thing I need to kill. And then she starts to learn there's a lot more to him. And, oh, wow, there's even a lot more to him. I love the whole interplay between everyone there. It was one of my favorite moments. And then the fact that Angel betrays her, his sire, his lover, you know, his friend for centuries. Uh, he, he stakes her and kills her because he's now on Buffy's side. That's a powerful moment. That's my favorite moment of season one. Yeah, that's a very good one. My favorite moment, though, is the battle between Buffy and the Master at the end of the season. I just think that it was well done. It worked well. It tied everything together. I loved the the whole thing from the first confrontation they have where she dies to the last confrontation they have where he's left with his bones, all or all that's left of him at the end. I just think that was a great way to 
finish it. It was a good moment in Buffy, the season one. I, that, to me, is easily my favorite one. Well, and that's not a bad one at all. I, I, we've already said, you know, the Prophecy Girls was a very close second in terms of uh, favorite episodes, and, and that's a great battle indeed, a great two-part battle. What's your favorite character from, from season one, Brian? Well, for me, it's interesting. My favorite character is actually Willow. I think that, you know, her being the geeky, nerdy type and keeping herself type of person and doesn't come out of her shell easily, I can relate to that a lot because back in in the middle school ages and high school, for a lot of that time, that was how I was. I was the geeky kind of guy who didn't really talk to other people if I didn't have to. So I relate to her very well on that level. And so for me, she's easily my favorite character of season one. That is interesting. I'm going to say this now. My favorite character of this series has been and always will be Buffy Summers. I, I like all the dynamic of her. And it's not just because I think she's pretty and I'm a hound and all that kind of stuff. I, I like the character, and I like the way Sarah Michelle Gellar plays her, and particularly in this season. I think she just did a great job. It's so, so much better than what Christy Swanson brought to the Buffy movie. And, I mean, it's it's such a different... That's a whole different world, I realize. But even so, Christy Swanson can't do the things that Sarah Michelle Gellar did as a dramatic actress, I don't think. And so I like her. Angels is a close second for me, but Buffy's always my favorite character of of any season and that'll kind of be my standard answer and I'll give different reasons why each each mini episode as we wrap these up but yeah I loved her whole arc the the times when she got to be a goofy teenager like as a cheerleader or you know the May Queen thing all that stuff or, or when Willow had a boyfriend and she didn't tell me about this and then the times when she had to accept her her destiny and be responsible. You, you can see a lot of maturity there. And then up into that last fight when she wakes up from, or uh, wakes up when she's resuscitated by Xander and she's like, no, I feel strong. And the look on her face is, and on top of that, I'm kind of hacked off right now and I want to go kill something. And, and then she goes and does it. I, I love that. It's really, really cool. So, so Buffy's my favorite character of season one. Awesome. Well, while we wrap up things, let's look at how our characters progress through the series. Very briefly, go through some of these. Starting with Xander. Um, Xander started off in this season as kind of the nerdy, cowardly character, but then he really got to be kind of the brave, courageous guy towards the end. He may not possess the technical or fighting skills that the others may have, such as, you know, Buffy, Giles, and Willow, but he's very important to this group, and he shows it towards the end of the season by saving Buffy, by figuring out how to defeat certain uh, big bads in, in certain episodes and all that stuff. So Xander has really come from confused, nerdy character to big, important character in the group. Well, I think you said it best in the last episode. He's the right-hand man. I, I, you know, Willow, you look at her, she's the shy wallflower kept to herself. She's Buffy's best friend and confidant, and she's a huge asset with her technical skills, her willingness to help without reservations, and she's also grown a bit, too. She's been through a lot. She's seen a lot, and live to tell the better of it and she started to stand up for herself a little bit more she didn't take Cordelia's stuff I love the the one episode where they're all doing the computer program and Cordelia's like I'm done what do I need to do and and Willow says hit deliver and that's the delete key the DEL key and you know she gets her back I love that it's those little things like that really progressed her along and we took Willow from the shy wallflower to someone who's going to be very important and and plays a very good role not only as Buffy's friend but also as as Giles' assistant 
assistant. You know, she's sort of his chief research assistant, if you will. So I, I really liked her development. Yep. Speaking of Giles, you know, he came in as he he was that guy who came in as the watcher who thought that he could just tell Buffy to do something and she would do it and he was the brains of the operation and that's what his role was going to be he progressed throughout this season to be very compassionate he is a very big father figure to Buffy he is very emotionally tied to the Slayer to Buffy both on a personal level as well as a Slayer watcher level and I think that his progression really shows that from coming from the book guy to being all in on this thing and wanting to protect his Slayer with, it, with everything he has. So that's, that's kind of where Giles came from. Perhaps no one changed more over the course of the season in terms of our perception of him than Angel. He, he went from being hello salty goodness mr mysterious to a vampire to a vampire with a soul and a really cool backstory and a tie to the master to an ancillary member of the group buffy's love interest and a pretty handy guy to have around in a fight angel is going to be such an important character in this series and in his own series and i mean he's going to get his own series for goodness sakes but he went from being mysterious man in the first episode to uh, he was in the thick of it with him at the end i really liked that that development for him can't wait to see where they go with it next yep uh, cordelia she started off as being really the queen bee and she continued to be the queen bee but as the season progressed she started to uh relate more with the group the core four than she ever did at the beginning of the season so she she became more personable towards the end of the season where even though she was still witty she spoke her mind and could be a real you know bitch at times she was starting to come out and show that she had something to offer for this group and had yeah she really came out of her shell to show that she is a person inside and that a lot of what she does is an act i think that's what we really learn towards the end there that she puts on a show to be popular because it's better to be popular than to be alone. And this is true. And, and ultimately she decides that it, to ally herself with people that can protect her and will, will help her. She sees what's going on. Joyce is a character. Buffy's mom goes from being, you know, parent with the book of the month club basically to actual real parent who's dealt with her, her change in life, too. She had to leave Los Angeles, California and move to this little podunk town, start an art gallery, live without her husband. She's learning how to live life on her own again. She's a survivor in her own right. And she really comes around a lot, especially by that last episode with Buffy. And Joyce is going to be a very important force in Buffy's life and a, and a big part of the story in the upcoming season. Upcoming couple of seasons, and it's so neat to see how they matured her quickly and got her away from the stereotypical uh, absent parent to someone who's going to be a little more active. I think we've commented a couple times of where the parents of some of these people in this this show. Buffy's mom's very present and going to continue to be present. And I, I liked how they brought Joyce along through the season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that for sure. As I made clear throughout this series, um, Buffy. Buffy is is pretty straightforward. She came into season one as someone who felt burdened 
by the calling and didn't want to keep doing it. And at the end of this season, she has accepted her duty and even her fate when she goes to fight the master. So she's come from someone who felt like, I don't want to do this anymore. I've already done this. This is this. I leave me alone to someone who said, I'm the slayer and this is what I do. And that is a very important piece to this puzzle in season one moving into season two is that Buffy knows what she's there to do and she's accepted it. Well, Brian, what character died that you wish didn't during the season? Were there any of them you're going to miss? Well, there are plenty of characters that died and this might not come as a surprise to you, but I was kind of hoping that Dr. Gregory would stick around. So he's the character I'm going to choose as the one who died that I don't think should have. And the reason is is that this was an authority figure in the school that actually showed interest in Buffy other than, you know, the main characters of Giles and, and the core four. So I would have liked to have seen that develop a little bit more. But unfortunately he was offed a couple minutes after he was introduced. Yeah, I hate I hate it when characters are killed like moments after we get to know them it, it seems a little cheap i liked dr gregory too but for me brian darla was the one i didn't want to see go i i just liked her i liked the way julie benz played her i liked the depth that she had i liked her story and i hated to see her go even though her death was really important and it, it was utilized to make a really strong statement about the angel character and where his allies or where his allegiance was I, I hated to see darla go i'm only comforted by the fact that i know she gets to come back later on in the angel series but I, yeah, I hated to see Darla go. Yeah, she's a big character, but uh, we do get to see her again, so all's good and happy. Yeah, the, the tragic part of that is that whole bit about, you know, the worst thing is to love someone who doesn't love you anymore. And the second part of that is to have him kill you. Uh, yeah. I, I would think that that would make it even worse. So, uh, yeah, 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 I but, would agree. As far as the key elements of season one go, they're, they're, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, they want you to know, you know, what is a slayer? What is a watcher? How vampires and demons work in the Buffy universe? What the Hellmouth is? Uh, what a, a prophecy? The tenuous nature of how a prophecy is? How hard it is to read uh, the prophecy correctly? You may get bits and pieces, but you may not get it all. And you see that a few times when Giles, uh, the ascension, or the uh, Anointed One episode where he comes in to buy a child's picks the right date but not the right place uh that was good and then of course at the end you know telling that slayer will die at the hands of the master but it doesn't say that she will be revived so there you go that and then uh how buffy's slayer reign is different from all the other slayers that we've seen and also her involvement uh with the human allies that's very key to this series because the slayer lore is that the slayer works alone and only is responsive to her watcher and this is all throughout the window with buffy she's got a group of of fighters that that work with her in xander and willow and giles to that fact it has more than just a watcher he actually gets involved physically where most watchers you get the feeling they do not do that so uh that's the key elements I think you take out of season one. Yeah, I agree. That that wraps it up perfectly. Brian, we're at the point where it's time to give our dustings rating for the entire season. As a group of 12 episodes, we've rated them all individually, but I want to know what is your dustings rating for season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
Well, while this is not the strongest uh, season of Buffy that they have, for me, I'm still going to give it a 3 out of 4 dustings. And that's because it's very essential that you watch this season before going on to other seasons because so much of the Buffy world is set up right here in this season that you i know jay you started in the season two you had to go back and catch up on all this but i think it's key that if you're just starting this series you do watch season one first because there's so much that you may miss in season two if you just start there um there are bad episodes in this season as you will see through all seasons but overall, it's very enjoyable, and I can go back and watch almost every one of these episodes multiple times. So three dustings for me. You know, I teeter on a line with this one, Brian, because I agree with you. This one is important. I've always considered this to be the prologue to the Buffy story and the, the bulk of the Buffy story that's coming up. And it's important because everything gets set up here, stuff that they're going to continue to pay off through seasons two, three, four, five, even into six and seven. So it's important to have. As you said there and reminded people, when I started watching the show, I started watching it in season two. So I had to catch up on it in syndication and through friends who had videotaped it and stuff like that. And then ultimately didn't see it all as a collective until I bought the DVDs some years later. I think I had caught about eight of the 12 of them uh, through different viewings and I had the, the bookends, the front and the back of them, and I had Angel in and then a few in the middle. So I knew enough to move forward, you know. There's a lot of chaff here. There's a lot of stuff you don't need at all, okay? But it's not bad. In reality, you only need to see a few of these in order to get everything to move forward to season two. There's even some gems, though, found in the bad episodes. There's some funny stuff in there, you know. As a whole, some things work clearly better than others. They figure that out and get the formula right. So for me, I'm going to give this one a three dustings. It's barely on the three line for me though okay but I, I would give it a two and a half if we allowed half dustings here but we don't so I, I'm going to go three out of four dustings too I do think there's so much important here that you need just to understand what universe you're in that it's essential and for me if you want to know my thoughts on the most essential episodes I really think you need Welcome to Hell Mouth the Harvest I think you need an episode like The Witch you need Angel you need one like uh, Puppet Show Nightmares and maybe Prophecy Girl I think those would be my, my must sees out of this one to move forward everything else I think you can pick up on as you go but e even the bad ones they're not awful. It's still some of the best television that was ever produced. So I'm with you. This is a three dustings for me, and I, I'm, I'm really glad to have revisited this season. And folks, that's the end of our season one retrospective of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But boy, we've got a lot for you here. Um, in addition to our 12 episodes uh, of uh, Retrospective and this little mini wrap-up episode, Brian and I have gone back and watched the unaired Buffy pilot. We call that one Episode Zero, so you can check out our retrospective and thoughts on that and the casting and all the changes they made and stuff. And we've even bitten the bullet and watched the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie for you folks, and that's going to be a part of our Season 1 Retrospective release here. You can listen to Brian and I do the continuous Play Podcast movie review. It actually works a little different. If you're familiar with our Continuous Play Podcast movie review, it's going to work a little bit more like we structure these episodes here for the TV show. So a little different take on a movie review, but we are doing that for you so you can enjoy it. And we certainly are glad you've been along for the ride and hope you'll stay with us. Uh, stay up to date on information about upcoming episodes by going to our website www.continuousplaypodcast.com slash Buffy. And you'll find everything there. Sign our guest book, leave us a message, let us know what you think, ask us questions, send us email, write us reviews on iTunes. We appreciate all of your feedback. For Brian, I'm Jay. Thank you for joining us on The Art of Slaying, a continuous play.
Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Grr, arg.